0: part two of our Risen series. And so I didn't want to just talk about the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Uh, we're talking about the, the before, the during, the after, everything throughout this whole month. And so last week we, t- we asked this question, what is God preparing me for, right? What is God preparing me for? And so if you missed it, check it out online or on the app. But this week we're talking specifically about the crucifixion. Right? We're talking about what happened the day that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. And so just to, to give you a heads up, I mean, from the start today, you know, it might get a little heavy. I don't know about you, but every single time, it doesn't matter how many times I've watched it, when I watch The Passion of the Christ, um, it just blows me away every time. Just seeing in vivid color the, the, the links that Jesus went to for me. But the whole uh, crux of this series is that the history of mankind hinges on this one word and it's risen. The word risen, it changes everything. Why? Because everything hinges on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, he was just another teacher. He was just another religious leader. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. It's the theme of our series. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Now, I don't like that first just because I'm a preacher. Right? You know, can you imagine if I preached my whole life? I got up here, you know, every Sunday and, and, and preached my guts out and, 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 and proclaimed the word of God and gave my whole life to this thing and then, and then only to find out, kind of like that dumb baseball last week, that it was not real. If you missed it, you know, just check it out. But um, yeah, wouldn't that stink? I don't know about you, but I don't wanna have a, a fake faith. I don't want my life to be built on the sand. I want my life to be built on the rock. And so Paul sums it all up. He says, hey, if this one thing didn't happen, if Jesus is not alive, then what in the world are we here for? Newsflash: for someone to be raised to life, for someone to be raised from the dead, for someone to be risen, they first had to die. They first had to die, and long before the resurrection happened, Jesus was breaking up the hard grounds of people's hearts, yours and mine, helping them to believe, and it was a journey, and part of that journey, and part of the events that led to the resurrection was the death of our Savior, and so I got some homework for you this week as you go home. And maybe you write this down, or or it's in, you know, just take your notes, help do something to help you remember this week. But I want you to read in its entirety Matthew 26 and 27. We're gonna reference a lot of the things that happened in these two chapters today, but I really want you to dwell on it and think about all the different things that happened in just the couple days before Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. Spend some time there. Journal about it, think about it, let it get deep down into your spirit. What had to happen before Jesus was raised from the dead? But the first thing in your notes today that I see that you know that we can learn as we look through these two chapters, Matthew 26 and 27, and this is true for every single person in this room, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, but the first thing that we're gonna learn today is that there are always two plans for your life. There are always two plans for your life. You know, right off the start, when we get into Matthew chapter 26, we see that there's this intense back and forth between intimate times with Jesus. The disciples are spending with him and, and, you know, we see the Last Supper and all these different things. And then there's also people plotting to kill Jesus. And so we see these extremes. They're in the garden. Jesus is praying. Jesus is with his disciples. But then on the other hand, the religious leaders are literally figuring out and making plans to arrest and to kill our Savior. Now, both of these stories, both of these timelines, both of these events, they're all leading to the same place. This is an event, the crucifixion that was prophesied many times in the Old Testament. Like Jesus knew it, it had come, and we talked about it a lot last week, that he had told his disciples over and over and over that this was going to happen. And at first, they pushed back. At first, they were like, no, that could never happen to you. And then next, they're filled with grief. And then, you know, by this time, you would think that they would just have accepted it. After all, the Last Supper, what we just celebrated, Jesus is basically saying, my body's gonna be broken, my blood is gonna be poured out. It's part of this new agreement between God and man. I just can't even imagine all of the emotions. And so we know, because we get to kind of look from this 30,000 foot view that the cross was gonna happen. Jesus, was gonna die. But this is what I want you to get out of this. The cross is a constant. This was part of God's plan. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die in our place, right? And so the cross was the constant. There was no changing that. But our choices are the variable. Our choices are the variable, and we see people at different places in their journey throughout this story. Some were with Jesus. They had chosen to left everything to be by his side. Some were plotting to kill Jesus, and every person in this story, they were making choices. And in your life and mine, there's always two plans. The Bible says that that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone that he can devour. And then on the other hand, Jesus is leaving his throne in heaven. He's coming to earth. He's living life in flesh and bone, just like you and me, all the while knowing that he's headed to the cross to die for you and for me. There's two plans. One wants to kill you, and one wants to bring you life. The cross is the constant. Your choices are the variables. And what we see here is that some believed who Jesus was and what he had came to do, and some didn't. The battle between the two plans for your life, the two possible outcomes, the two stories. How many of you, when you were kids, and maybe this is an 80s thing back when I was growing up, but but those choose your own adventure books? Anybody ever read one of those? Come on, let me see your hands. Oh, yeah, all the 80s kids raising their hands. You know, and the choose, it was so cool because it's like if you want to do this, go to page 67. And if you want to do this, go to page 32. And it was just, you know, for my personality, it was like this is awesome, right? And then you go back and you read the book again and, and you pick the different outcome and and you keep doing until you've gone through all the stories. And so it's really cool. How many of you would love that for your life? Can I go back and get a do-over? Can I go back and and go to, to page 67 instead of page 32 this time? Unfortunately, it's not like that. But the battle between these two plans for your life is for your belief. The battle is for your belief. And so there's always two plans for your life. And 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 how many of you know that it's the seasons in your life change? And we're in the best season, I think, right now, spring. And I, I live in a neighborhood with tons of trees and tons of vegetation. And so um, you know during the winter, it's like you look out our back porch and you see everything. You see all the other houses, you see the road that passes behind our house, you see everything. But now we're in that in that transition period where You know, little by little, everything disappears. Why? Because of all the blooms coming. All the leaves are coming out. And little by little, over these next couple weeks, you know, I won't be able to see into the woods anymore. I won't see the houses behind me anymore. Everything will just turn into a sea of green. But in my front yard, There's some awesome things popping up. There's these flowers that pop up every year and it's so beautiful. It's like the perfect time of year and everything just is crisp and green with all the rain and and it's awesome. But you know what else pops up in my yard? All the weeds, they're out in full force. And, uh, And so there's two sides. It's like, oh man, there's some really good things. And there's some things that I don't like so much because they remind me that the yard work is about to start. And it's like, no, no one is ready to start mowing or pulling or doing all that stuff. And if you like that stuff, if that's like you got the green thumb and you just itching to get out in the yard, you know, we'll pray for you. Uh, But you know, that's not me. I'm like, oh man, one more thing on my to-do list, right? But you know what happens to those weeds, whether I like it or not, they're gonna pop up. I don't have to do anything for them to get into my life. And it's the same way in your life. If you do nothing, if you just go with the flow, if you just let life happen, there's a good chance that your beliefs are not going to go to the right place. Because as we see in Matthew 26 and 27, man, Jesus faced so much opposition. The disciples faced so much just, just uh, disorientation. And we're going to see what happened to them. And so if we learn one thing from this, we've got to manage our beliefs. We've got to choose right Right now, we get this 30,000-foot view of the Jesus story and what what happened to him. But I can only imagine, if you were right in the middle of this chaos that was ensuing, I can imagine not knowing what to believe. In one moment, you're sitting around the table with Jesus, and he's telling you, hey, he's going to die. And then he's getting arrested, and he's getting dragged away. and, And it's like, oh, I don't know what to believe. And so in Matthew 26.2, Jesus said, as you know, and remember, he had told them this over and over and over. He said, Passover begins in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At that same time, the leading priests and the elders, they were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. Why did Jesus connect this to the Passover? Because back in the Old Testament, The Passover, it's a celebration of God's faithfulness. It was a a celebration of the faithfulness and and the Israelites, they had to kill a lamb and and spread the blood over the doorpost of their house and and so so that they would be saved. And if you you wanna read the story, just go read about Moses, okay? But you know, Jesus is saying, hey, in the same way, Jesus is gonna be the sacrificial lamb for you and for me. And, It's just so cool that Jesus was given this 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 heads up to the disciples that, hey, he was faithful. Then he's going to be faithful. Now his faithfulness wasn't something new. Jesus, at this moment, he was tying his faithfulness then to his faithfulness. Now his plan to go to the cross and to die for you and for me had been launched long ago before the disciples understood the whole plan and they still didn't understand the whole plan. And as you and I know now, we have the ability, because of God's word, to have a perspective that is so valuable. In fact, you can't live without it. And this is what I want you to understand today. You have the blessing of living in this year and this time. You get to see the whole story. The disciples were in the middle of it. They didn't know what to believe. This was all new. And Jesus was saying, we get to see that man, he was faithful then, he's gonna be faithful now. People are so anxious these days about the future, about life, about the what ifs, and yet God's word tells us what happened, what is gonna happen, and that he wins, right? I love the simplicity of what happened in the, in the next, in this story, in the midst of all this chaos. And so, like I said, Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to get arrested. He's going to get beaten, you know, all of that. And in the midst of all of that, Matthew drops this other story in. And so right after this, you know, he drops this story that the, the disciples and a bunch of people, they're in the home of a man that Jesus had healed of leprosy called Simon. And this woman, in Matthew, it doesn't name her, but we know from the Gospel of John that this is Mary, the brother of Lazarus, one of the guys that Jesus rose from the dead. And so Mary, who had so much to be thankful for, brought this alabaster jar of perfume that that was worth an entire year's wages, and she pours it out on Jesus in worship. Smack dab in the middle of all this. The disciples not knowing what to believe. Everybody's just kind of like, what is going on? And in the midst of all this, Mary comes and she pours out all of her devotion. You know, this massive financial investment. She pours it all out for Jesus. Matthew 26, 10 through 13 tells us, Jesus' response, because what what do the disciples do? They complained, they criticized Mary for not using the perfume in a better way. They're like, man, you should have used this to pay, to to sell it and give money to the poor, which that would be the the good Christian response, right? Let's use this really good. And Mary's like, nope, I'm gonna pour out all my devotion, all my love on Jesus. It's as as if in the moment and the chaos of everything that was happening, she was the only one that truly got how much Jesus was worth, how much of her life he deserved. And so in Matthew 26, 10 through 13, Jesus was aware of the disciples grumbling, and he said, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured out this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, when, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So even the disciples didn't understand how worthy Jesus was. They didn't connect the dots, right? This religious spirit that they had grew up with was, wasn't fully out of them yet. But Mary's act in the, in, the, in the midst of all this chaos is a picture of the devotion that Jesus deserves from our lives. Obviously, in the lives of the disciples, and probably in your life and my life too, there was still more humbling that needed to happen. And so, there's always two plans for your life. There's always two plans for your life. The cross is the constant, your choices are the variables. And how much does Jesus deserve of your life? Everything. How much should you pour out and worship to Him? Everything. And, and, And the sooner that we understand this perspective that he deserves it all, the better. Why? Because we only have one life to live and the moments that we live, will never get back. We get this one shot. So there's always two plans, two stories for your life, the battles for your belief. Which one are you gonna choose? Number two. The second thing that we see as we walk through Matthew 26 and 27 is that at your lowest point, we've got to remember, you've got to remember, and some of you need to grab onto this hope today, that the story isn't over. The story isn't over. You know, I don't know about you, but we always I always try the wrong plan first. Anybody ever been there? It's like some ladies were putting together some stuff for the new nursery yesterday that we're gonna open next week so, so uh, your babies can be more comfortable. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so, you know, I've done this before that as I start one of those dumb Ikea construction projects that takes half of your life, you know, and it's like, what do these pictures even mean? You're like, oh, I can figure this out and I can figure, you know, and you get into it and you're like, oh, you gotta take the whole thing apart and reconstruct it and, and actually follow the instructions that time, have you ever been there? I have, timer 1,000. You get into a project and you're like, let me look up the YouTube video. But I don't know about you, but I always try the wrong plan first. Well, the disciples, they're right there with us. And so what happened? Matthew 26, 31 through 32. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Why is this verse so encouraging to me? And why does this tell me that at my lowest point, I got to remember the story isn't over? Because even though Jesus knew that his disciples, his best bros, his BFs, his friends were going to desert him and he told them straight to his face, he's like, but hey, After this is all over, go on to Galilee. I'll meet you there. How encouraging is is that that? God, he can look at you and he can be like, hey, you've messed up. You chose the wrong plan, but guess what? I'm gonna be right there for you on the other side. How cool is that? That at your lowest moment, you know that his arms are still gonna be wide open for you. Man, I love that. And so what happens after this? Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times. Whoa. And you got you to remember all this when you go back and read these two chapters this week. But Peter, he gets told, you're going to deny me three times. And what, what's Peter's reaction? Ain't no way. Ain't no way. I'm not doing that. Right? Then Jesus goes to pray in the garden and he asks his disciples, just stay up with me and pray. And what do they do? They fall asleep. Three times Jesus comes back and wakes them up to pray with them, they can't hold their eyes open. Talk about choosing the wrong plan first. Jesus is arrested, right? And in Matthew 26 56, at the end of the arresting, it says that all this is happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures, and at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. You know what else the Bible says? That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so sometimes it's easy to look at the disciples and be like, man, I can't believe they left him right at his moment of need. And yet we remember, man, I probably would have done the same thing. And so Jesus stands trial before the high council. And this is really when it starts to get ugly. In Matthew 26, 67, it says that they began to spit in Jesus's face and beat him with their fists. And, they, and some slapped him, jeering, prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time? At our lowest point. You got to remember, it's not over. So Jesus, the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead, who had healed people of leprosy, had done all these miracles, who had served and given his life to these people. Now he's getting beaten. And all the people that had walked with him had deserted him and fled. So then Peter denies Christ. Remember, we always choose the wrong wrong plan first. Jesus, Peter denies Christ. Judas, he loses it and goes and hangs himself because he's so wrought with guilt. Jesus goes on trial before Pilate. What happens there? Pilate releases Barabbas to the people instead of Jesus. And he orders Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Man, I don't have to describe to you what will happen if you get flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Jesus' back was just turned into torn flesh at your lowest point you got to remember it's not over after he's whipped the crown of thorns is placed on his head he's beaten more he's mocked more and then in Matthew 27:35 it tells us that they nailed him to the cross after they nail him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Man, you, you, as you read through these couple chapters, you're just like, man, it just keeps getting worse. And then in verses 39 through 40, it says, The people passing by shouted abuse. They shook their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were gonna destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. Remember, the battle's for your belief. And life is gonna knock you down and these horrible things might happen and just like they happened to Jesus. In verse 44 it says, even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him. In the same way. But remember. It wasn't over. It wasn't over for Jesus. Or. And this is where you and I. Can, can take heart. It wasn't over for the people. Like you. And like me. Who would believe in him. Even before the day was out. Even before the day was out. So remember. There's always two plans for your life. The battles for your belief. Number two, even when things get bad at your lowest point, you got to remember the story's not over. And some of you just need to hear that today because life has beaten you up. And then number three, when you realize what Jesus did for you, everything changes. Everything. And the best part of it is it only takes one moment. And maybe today is your moment, maybe this week is your moment. Maybe you're just on the verge of a completely different resurrected life because that's what it's all about. And so when you realize what Jesus did for you, everything changes. Let's look at how it changed in this passage. In verse 45, it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Three hours, middle of the day, dark. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Then in verse 50, it says that Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple, in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Listen to this. And this still blows me away. I just can't even imagine it every time I read it. But listen to what happened. In the moment that Jesus died, the earth shook, rocks split apart, the tombs opened, bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. What? What just happened? In one moment, everything can change. Because remember, the battle's for your belief. So just one verse later, it says, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this manly truly was the son of God. This man truly was the son of God. Now, just in case you need me to, because sometimes I need somebody to connect the dots for me. The Roman soldiers at the crucifixion were the ones that nailed him to the cross. Right? So can you imagine a few hours later, nailing the person to the cross that In one moment, you realize really was who he said he was. Wow. Remember, when you realize what Jesus did for you, everything changes. Think about the moment, and Kelly kind of alluded to it earlier during worship, that Jesus had never been separated from the the Father until this moment. And in this moment, Jesus took on himself the sin of all mankind. That's why he yelled out, God, why have you forsaken me? And so in that one moment, Jesus took on him your sin and my sin. And in that moment, the people there that were standing before the cross also realized that they had just killed the son of God with their sin. And it wasn't like far removed like we are. We, we look back 2,000 years to what Jesus did on the cross and we connect our sin now to what he did then. These people were standing right in front of the cross. They had just nailed Jesus to the cross with their own hands. And they're like, there's this immediate connection that my sin literally nailed him to the cross. My lack of belief killed the son of God. The very people that killed Jesus in a moment believed. Listen, the cross is a constant in your life. Your choices are the variables. And so will you choose to let the reality of the cross change your whole perspective? Will you choose to acknowledge that your sin and my sin Nailed Jesus to the cross. When you realize that it was really for you, was it just for your grandma? Just wasn't just for Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or anybody that you think is really good? No, no, no. It was for you. And I just want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can put your faith in Christ today. You can put your faith in Christ today. And for those. Maybe prodigals in your family that are far from God that you've been praying for. You just need to hold on to this hope that it only takes a moment. And the very people that were just, you know, like you and me that killed Jesus, a moment later could be believing in Jesus. And then that is the power of the cross. That is is what this sacrificial love that Jesus poured out for you and for me can do in a life. And don't let us think for a moment as a church or a community that he's done. There's more people that this moment is gonna happen to because of your faithfulness. There's more people that are gonna step over from death to life because in a moment they're gonna realize that Jesus did this for them. So the choice is clear today. Are we going to acknowledge who Jesus is and what he did or not? That's your choice. I want to encourage you. Don't give up. It's not over. You can experience your moment today. If you want to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If that's you today and you're like, I need to acknowledge what Jesus did for me on the cross. I need to accept the free gift of salvation that he's offering me because he paid for my sins on that cross. I want to give my life back to him today. If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and make him the Lord of your life, if that's you today, just boldly raise your hand. I want to pray with you and say, Joe, that's me. Because of what Jesus did for me, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. There's some hands up in this place today. If you want to put your hands down, we're all going to pray with you. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat after me. Let's offer our lives up to Jesus. Repeat after me. Let's say, Jesus, here's my life. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe you died for me. You rose again. You paid for my sin. Thank you. Here's my life. I trust you. Help me to follow your word. Help me to understand it. From this day forward, my life is yours. Amen. Let's give him a hand today. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.